I'm Amy Wagner. Welcome to the best of Simply Money. Each week we put together some of our favorite segments from the 55 KRC radio show exclusively for this podcast. You've been on more expensive Uber rides, maybe experienced slower service at restaurants. Well, Steve and I break down how this labor shortage is affecting your wallets and our economy. We also talk about this tax smart way to save for your child's college education and what you can do about skyrocketing automobile prices. Finally, Deborah Clark, an advisor at Wayfair Travel, joins me to talk about post-pandemic vacation trends. Well, you've seen the headlines about a worker shortage out there. You may have even experienced going somewhere that's closed because they don't have enough workers. But some parts of our economy are feeling this a lot harder than others. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sprovac. Politicians, well, they debate why there's a worker shortage, but that's not what we do. We're looking at who's feeling it the most and what does the shortage mean for you and your money. Well, a- Amy, I don't know if you've seen it when you go out, but, you know, when if you go to a I restaurant, have. yeah, if you go to a restaurant, everybody's hiring and, and service might not be as quick as it is, as it had been. And, and I, you know, I'm a talker. I, I like talking to people and I, I have no problem you? when, yeah, imagine that. <laughs> we, when, and when we go into a business, I, I generally say, you know, how are you doing with workers? Are you having trouble yeah. finding people? And almost to a person, every owner, every manager says, oh, it, it, it's crazy. Nobody wants to come in. And, you know, if I dive a little deeper, it's, well, you know, they're making more money sitting at home. So, you know, I'm anecdotally, this is not data. Anecdotally, I'm pretty convinced a lot of people are in in certain industries are collecting unemployment and just don't want to go back to work anytime soon. We're going to find out real soon if this is fact or if it's fiction, because a lot of states are ending their enhanced unemployment benefits real soon. Back to politics here. It seems like the states that have the Republican governors are the ones that have said thanks but no thanks to these enhanced federal unemployment benefits of the three hundred extra dollars a week. Uh, so in Indiana, this actually ends um, this week, June nineteenth, and Ohio it starts on Saturday, June twenty sixth. Meaning these benefits are no longer available yeah. to workers in the state. I live in Kentucky. We've got a Democratic governor. I think that they'll probably ride it out here in Kentucky and. September when the whole federal program uh, goes away. But there's no question. I think I think we've all seen it. I live close to the Crestview Hills Town Center. And I think it was last Sunday, Jason and I went to grab a sandwich Mm -hmm. at a place that's usually open on Sunday. Mm -hmm. It wasn't open. So we said, okay, plan B around the corner. Not open. Plan C. No we ended kidding. Up, we ended up driving home and making, I had to make food, darn it. But, <laughs> but because there was a sign on door after door, yeah. closed Sunday, not enough workers, not open anymore. And, and these are all places, I've, I've lived down the street from this place for years and years and years now. These are places that used to be open seven days a week. So wow. no question, restaurants are feeling it. I think retail's feeling it. Kings Island has come out and said, hey, we're closing earlier, 8 o'clock rather than 10 o'clock. Uh, so across the board, I think we're starting to see it. And to your point, it will be interesting yeah. when these additional yeah. benefits run out. Are people going back to work or is there something else? Yeah, I, I want to see the hard data because it, it my, my gut is telling me it, it's and, and it's mostly in the service industries, restaurants and, and hotels and whatnot. My gut is telling me, yeah, these people are making more sitting at home, 300 bucks tax free a week and, and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but 400,000 people are going to be losing their unemployment benefits, the, the extra $300 this weekend alone. 
So, you know, if all of a sudden we see these now hiring signs coming down, to me, that's going to be pretty good evidence that, yeah, that's exactly what was going on. And now these people have to work and and, uh, they're they're not getting any money for sitting around the house. And, and, um, you know, that's there's some truth to it. We're going to find out real soon. I, I mean, we're talking 25 states, half the country is opting out of the federal $300 a week unemployment benefits before the September 6th official end date. So, uh, you know, this is all happening really, really quickly. I I, I, I hope that's not the case, but I, I think that the labor shortage is going to go poof once they start collecting this extra money. I, I really do. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, and there's certainly people in the states where these are expiring soon who aren't happy about it. And in Indiana, residents there sued um, the governor, Eric Holcomb, uh, in court on Monday, saying we need to keep this aid flowing. Uh, and they say that the state violated the clear mandates of Indiana's unemployment statute to secure all rights and benefits available for unemployed individuals. I wonder if these suits are going to pop up in a number of states. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, that's just, I think we got it. We've got to expect yeah, that. Yeah. But you know what? You dive in a little deeper, and one of the people filing suit against Indiana is a school bus driver. In other words, I, I'm a school bus driver, and I can't work in the summer because school's not in session, so I should continue to collect unemployment. Hang on a second. Yeah, were, you collecting, a second. were you collecting unemployment in 2019 in a normal year in the summertime? Yeah. You know, if you're a school bus driver, you know you're out of work in the summer. Matter of fact, you might have even have taken that job because you've got the summer off. So come on. You know, it, it just feels to me like some people are trying to game the system. Yeah, there are some people that are really working hard and, and they're out of work and, and it's totally out of their control and they need this money to pay the rent. But not everybody. And, and you know, there's still unemployment benefits available. It's the extra $300 coming from the federal government that states are ending. And I, I think that the key there is, wow, that's an extra. Let me do my my math. Um, three, six, 12, yeah, twelve hundred dollars extra tax free a month. You know, for some people that that's a rent payment plus. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. so, yeah, I, I want that free money. Why? Why not? The federal government is giving it to me. But the states and half the states, at least, are, are saying, no, we're opting out. We're we think there are plenty of jobs if if people are willing to go look for them. And that we'll know after this weekend. Is that really the case or not? Well, my heart goes out to so many of these companies that already took a major hit during this pandemic, right? You weren't traveling. You weren't going to restaurants. You weren't going into stores. You name it, the things that you weren't doing. So now they're coming out of this pandemic, and there's this insane increase in demand for all of these things, yet they can't meet the demand because there's not enough workers. We're going on a town in a couple of weeks to the lake for the weekend. Good luck finding a place to board your dog. I was was joking to my kids. I was saying, like, I think everybody... Northern Kentucky has boarded their dogs and taken off for the entire summer to the point where when I asked about 4th of July weekend, the woman actually laughed at me on the phone like, ha, no <laughs> chance of that crazy lady. Um, and so, you know, these businesses obviously, you know, want to meet demand. They want to take our money. They just don't have a way yeah. to do that. It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55 KRC as we look at Unemployment, this worker shortage, how it is affecting so many jobs for almost every person out there that doesn't have a job that looks like there's what one, two openings available to them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, it's kind of interesting uh, which which industries are getting hit 
the the most mm-hmm. restaurants. Okay, I, I get that. You know, um, they're reopening and people uh, you know, pent up demand. People want to get back out and get back to normal and go out and eat. Um, okay, I understand restaurants are going to have trouble filling spots. Veterinarians, really? Well, when you think about it, how many Makes people sense. got new dogs named Garth? That Me. yeah, exactly. <laughs> during the pandemic, I, I mean, I see people in my neighborhood. I, there were so many puppies being walked over the past year that mm-hmm. obviously they had just gotten that, okay, now we need veterinarians. I, I hope the shelters don't fill up uh, because all these people got dogs and cats that they wanted at the time but don't want anymore. But, you know, at least uh, vet, veterinarians, yeah, that, there's a lot of demand right there. And, and the third worst category for a labor shortage, mental health practitioners. Makes Imagine that. Sense. The pandemic made a few people more than a little bit Mm, yeah, not so. It, it was yeah. not not a good experience. It was for a, a tough whole lot time for a lot of people. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And in even raising pay in some of those um, areas, you know, is, is having an interesting impact. So we'll see. And uh, the jolts rate, right? Yeah. And this is we've always called this on the show. Take this job and shove it. Yeah. It is at a higher rate, an all time high, two point seven percent. So this is people who are saying, hey. I know that there's other options out there for me. Um, and for whatever reason, this job, you haven't either increased my pay in mm-hmm. a long time or I like the flexibility of working from home. You're not offering that anymore. Yeah. Uh, so people are out there pretty confidently leaving jobs behind, looking for other opportunities right now at a rate, Steve, that I would say we haven't seen in this country in a really long time. Now, the, the jolts rate is actually a really strong economic sign, a positive yeah. economic yeah. sign. because. Yeah, I mean, you know you can get another job, so you just quit your current job and then start looking. That's confidence, and that means you know the economy is great, in particular in your market. You know, Amy, in in a tight labor market, yeah, you can demand to work remotely. You can quit your job without a plan B. You can collect unemployment without looking for work. Watch out when the labor shortage goes away, because I I think it's going to be like the reopening of the economy. The dominoes start falling, and they start falling faster and faster and faster, and this labor shortage is going to go poof in in a very short period of time. And I think all these very needy, uh, very high-maintenance employees that are demanding this and demanding that, I think they may be up the creek if they're not careful. I think you're right. If, if, If you own a business and you're concerned about how long term this problem is going to be, we would say probably not very. A, a true worker shortage, uh, and what we're seeing this is in mostly low-wage positions now, um, the businesses would see little response, right? If you're aggressively looking for workers, you're getting no response. But here's what we're seeing. Employers in many sectors, you're raising wages and you get immediate response from applicants. Yeah, yeah. Which says that this is not a true, probably long-term worker shortage that's going to affect the economy long-term. Yeah, I, I, I hope that's the case because if employers have to keep raising what they're offering for wages to attract employees, well, guess what that's called? Inflation. Yeah. You, you know, so, you know, if inflation is, as the Federal Reserve says, transitory, in other words, short term and, you know, just uh, it's going to be over sooner than later, um, okay, then that's a good thing. But if this isn't, if we don't see this labor shortage start to go away as the unemployment benefits are are being eliminated, um, we may have a much longer term problem, and that that would have me worried. Right now, the data seems to indicate. Uh, no, inflation is short term, not long term, and that these wage increases are just to get through this disruptive reopening of the economy. Uh, I hope I'm right. 
Well, so I'm going to, you know, as my teenagers are always like, well, what's it mean for me? Right. What about me, me, me? What's it mean for you? Well, if you're not happy in your job right now, this is the time, right? This is the time to start looking short window. Dust off your resume to update any skills that you need to, to get out there, to network and to find other options because they are out there. And I agree, Steve, I don't think it's, this window isn't going to be here maybe a year from now. No, no. And and, and you take advantage of it. I I mean, by all means, you know, if you can get a higher paying job and, and go for it. I mean, that's the whole point of going to work is to get paid and get paid as much as possible. Um, just don't, you know, think this is going to last forever and make sure whatever, whatever you're going for right now, you go for it. You go for it with gusto and, and hopefully get it because I, I got a funny feeling two, three, four months from now, um, we're going to be completely back to normal and wages will be normal and, and there's going to be normal hiring. So we'll, we'll see how this shakes out. Here's the Simply Money point. Now's the time to revisit your skill set. Think about how you can get paid more with your current company or ultimately maybe without them. Saving for your kids' education. You actually have options here. Not all of them are equal, and that's a distinct point that I think we need to make, Steve. Yeah, I I mean, I've got one favorite and we're going to talk about it. But, you know, let's talk about what maybe aren't the best ways. And and a lot of people still just want to, you know, pay cash. You know, let's give the kid cash or let's go ahead and write a check to the the institution to to pay for college. It's the easiest thing to do. But you know, first of all, if it's more than fifteen thousand, and Amy, hate to break it to you, you got a kid thinking it's about college. That it's going to be more than fifteen thousand dollars. Yes, fifteen grand is all you can give a, a person without some estate tax considerations. By the way, a married couple, it's fifteen thousand apiece. So for a couple, you can give thirty thousand per child. Technically, you can give thirty thousand per person. So Amy, you can give fifteen thousand to each of your kids. You can give fifteen thousand to me. And not have an estate tax consideration. Just, just oh, saying. Oh, good. I was just actually saying. considering that, and I'm yeah. so glad you threw that out there. The checks in the mail. Yeah, but that that affects you know when you go through the process, that affects their eligibility for aid and all that kind of stuff because obviously that's money that's available for it. So well, and you there's know, tax considerations. Could be taxed. Yeah. 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 So you got to watch out for that. Yeah, so cash to the kid, cash directly to the kid, we would say maybe not the best way to go. Now, there's a lot of parents who are saying, well, of course, I would not write the check or give the cash to the kids. I'm going to give it directly to the college or university. Yeah. Um, and, and I think a lot of parents are motivated by the fact that I'm going to put it on my credit card and I'm going to get the to points. Just- Heck yeah, the yeah, points. Yeah. Hey, read the fine print. There's actually a lot of colleges that'll say, sure, we'll take your credit card, but there's going to be a transaction fee. Usually that transaction fee negates yeah. any gain that you're going to get from those points that are worth, you know, eight tenths of a penny on the dollar, whatever yeah, it, they it, are. It's not unusual yeah. to see somewhere around a 3% transaction fee. So yeah, you got a free flight. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, no. no yeah. 3% is a big number when you know it's on the cost of tuition, which might be easily I- into five figures, you know? So yeah, I'm not sure that's a great idea. Yeah. You know, what, what we used to have before my favorite, I'm going to jump the gun and say 529 jump. plans. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, before that, there were, there were um, custodial accounts, UGMA, UTMA. Uniform Gift to Minors Act, Uniform Transfer to Minors Act. If anybody, Uh, yeah, if anybody had any interest in what that stood for, here's the problem with those: when that kid turns either 18 or 21, it's their money. And I have had a case where kids showed up uh, with a birth certificate. Um, Dad didn't think they knew about the account. Yeah, the kid did. And Mm. you know what the legal answer is: your money. 
your money when it's if it's a bank account at 18 if it's a securities account in most states it's 21 um that's theirs and if they want to go out and buy a trans am with that money or whatever they want to spend it on that's their call when you set up these accounts, right, you don't know how responsible your child is going to be with money or not. So it could be a great thing for your kid to have this windfall and they might invest it and make smart decisions. On the flip side, they may not. They may and, not. <laughs> you know, 18 is a pretty young age to have a considerable amount of money fall oh, into your lap. Come on. So, I made nothing but perfectly fine, good, competent decisions at 18 about money and everything else. Let's be Never sick. bought a boat. Not quite. Never. Not quite. <laughs> oh, man. This is definitely the after picture. But anyway, no, I, but let's talk about 529 plans a yes. little bit. A 529 plan, there's a lot of confusion about them because years and years ago they were called uh, the state tuition trust authority, and you can only spend it on that state, you know, if it's an Ohio resident uh, in the state of Ohio. No, no, that's not the case anymore. A 529 savings plan is, in my world, the best savings option for college. I've set them up for my grandkids. I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a way that you can put money away as a grandparent, as a parent, whatever the relationship is, for the benefit. They're actually called beneficiaries for the benefit of that child or grandchild, and it can be invested a whole bunch of different ways, you know, basic mutual funds, but, you know, pretty much any combination you want, and they're flexible. And, and Amy, and I think And there's tax is, advantages. Oh, huge tax advantages. If you're an Ohio resident and use Ohio's program, which is the way I, I set it up, it, you get a deduction from the state for the money that you put into it. And when that money comes out, when it's actually being used by that child when, when they're ready to go to college, as long as it's for a qualified expense, tuition, books, and that sort of thing, it's tax-free. I mean, how else can you do it? Here's my favorite part, and and this is, I I grin every time I I think about this. Let's say you've got two kids or two grandkids, and one of them didn't quite turn out the way you want it, and you've got all this money you saved up for their college, and they're not going to go to college, and they know about all this money. You, as the parent or grandparent, you're the owner. You can roll that money over to the kid who is going to college and say, no, you're not you're not going to college. I don't want you to have that money. You're not doing what I asked and and I'm going to give that money to your brother or to your sister yeah. and it's perfectly legal, no tax implications or you can let the kid have it and you know whatever. But, but you know, you have that flexibility, right? You're it's not your call. you're not you know, down this path too far before you realize it may not be the best call. You know yeah. what I don't like about 529s? The name the name of them. Yeah, I think it's so confusing to people. So many of these things, your 401k, your 529 are, are after tax code. But at the same time, I was talking to someone very smart a couple of years ago, and I kept throwing around blah, 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 529, blah, blah, yeah. blah, 529. And the person said, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I yeah. said, it's a college savings plan. Oh, yeah. Yes, we do have that for our kids. They just didn't know what it was called. And I think, you know, these numbers can be incredibly confusing to people, but there's all kinds of flexibility in this. You're right. You can easily change the beneficiary. And also the government has gotten uh, looser and looser in what the money can go toward. Right? It used to be just tuition. Now I think room and board are part of it. Computers, books. books. There's a number of things that this money can be used for now. So. Yes. Uh, and I think one point worth making, Steve, is the fact that you're a grandparent who set up the 529. So when you go to fill out that FAFSA form as a parent, yeah. this money is counted differently um, than it would be if the 529 was set up by the grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, not a lot of people are going to get financial aid the way the rules are, but uh, you're going to get even less if you've got money set aside specifically for college. 
Um, grandparent is owner. I, I I don't think that even shows up. I, I haven't no. looked at a FAFSA form lately, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't. Here's yeah. the Simply Money point. You have multiple options to help your kids pay for college. Saving in that 529 plan is usually what we see the best strategy. Mason is actually the winner here, offering the best bang for your buck if you're looking for a luxury apartment around Cincinnati. This is according to a new study from Rent Cafe. I don't know that this surprises me. Mason's a huge suburb, and it's a nice place. A real nice place. One of my favorite uh, pizza joints uh, is up in Mason. But no, it's actually the the fourth, uh, number four in the state as far as luxury bang for the buck apartments by the numbers uh one bedroom luxury apartments about 1500 bucks a month okay not not so cheap but we're talking about 1200 square feet um 70% of apartment rentals in Mason are high end like like this and it's it's you know it's a nice nice community I'm so practical sometimes that I have to say like, and I get it. These are a lot of these are gated with all the amenities, the gym and the pool and everything else. But like, that's a mortgage for a pretty substantial house there without a doubt. Like if if that's bang for your buck, I'm glad I'm past apartment dwelling at this point because it's apparently not cheap at all. Uh, It's been a long time since I lived in an apartment, but um, uh, Cincinnati has always been one of the best. I don't care if you're, you're talking about renting an apartment, buying a house. It's got one of the best bang for the bucks in the whole yes. country. I mean, you think about it, whether it's sports, whether it's outdoor activities, you can live in a suburb in Cincinnati fairly reasonably, both both cost to, to buy in and property taxes and, and everything else, and be down sitting in your seat watching the Reds play in, you know, 30 minutes, depending on where you live, 35 minutes. Um, friends of mine that live in higher uh, rent districts and other areas of the country, they, they think I'm making up these numbers. Cincinnati okay. is one of the best places, and and it doesn't really surprise me. Mason is one of the best. You know who number one was in the state for for uh, luxury apartments? Beaver Creek. Beaver Creek. Beaver yeah. Creek. I've got a buddy that that lives up there. He happens to be a, a police officer up there, and and um, it is another really nice community. Great bang for the buck. Good community, and and lots of places to to shop and and. You know, go see and and you know sports facilities, all that kind of stuff. We we've got some some neat little gems around Cincinnati. And if you can't afford the fifteen hundred dollars a month, the get-in price of a luxury apartment in Mason. This is for a six hundred and sixty square foot studio, one thousand one hundred forty bucks. A little bit cheaper. Every week we go to Simply Money University. This is where we go over the basics of investing and financial planning. Tonight, how you can handle speaking of prices going up, yeah. soaring car prices. This is crazy. I mean, this car market, you talk about the housing market we were talking about for so long, this kind of crept up on a lot of people. Yeah, and, and it's not just new, it's used also. I mean, we're yeah. at a we're at a point now uh, an average new car costs $38,255. That's, that's huge. a lot. That's yes. a lot of money. And that's if you can find them, Amy. I I mean, I I was talking to somebody who uh, has a friend in in the business and and at this dealership that normally has 400, 450 new cars ready to be sold. Um, they had four. They had oh. four. They, they actually had a ping pong table in the showroom because they didn't have a car to put in there and the salesmen were, they didn't have anything to sell, you know? And, and, and what's, what's interesting, and, and this is a result of a whole bunch of disruptions right now between shipping and computer chips and, you know, everybody's heard about all this, this sort of stuff going on. But okay, I can't buy a new car. Um, let, let me get a, a CPO car. Let me get a used car, a decent one. 
Well, the average used car right now is selling for over twenty grand. That's up fifty percent from last year. And the demand for certain cars, right? Forerunners, Toyota Forerunners. There's only a nine-day supply of Forerunners out wow. there. Chrysler Pacificas, those minivans, a twenty-day supply of those out there. So good luck finding them. And you know, we know we're not making this up. If you drive by any car lot, you know, around your home, it is like a ghost town. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. You know, there's usually cars with all the balloons coming off of them or whatever. There's nothing. There's maybe a handful of cars. And, pe- and people are out there that want to buy, too, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, you've got a whole bunch of issues going on right now. And a lot of it has to do with shipping, not just cars, but everything. I, I, I mean, the cost of shipping right now has increased in some instances by over 500 percent. I, I mean, we've got such disruptions on the West Coast right now that, that we're looking at manufacturers uh, overseas not even shipping to the West Coast. They're shipping to Mexico and Canada because their their uh, cargo ships are sitting for two, three, four weeks off the West Coast of the U.S. because we can't get them unloaded. So this is, this is working its way through the system. It's a disruption that it'll get resolved at, at some point. This is coming out of a pandemic, uh, remember. But until then, I, I mean, we're seeing it hit hit you in the in the in the pocketbook. I, I mean, if you're if you're importing from the Far East, I, I know of one uh, importer of stuffed animals. They would have to double their prices because strictly of shipping costs. Cheap furniture, sixty percent of the cost of the furniture is shipping. Yeah. So th- this is a big, big driver of inflation. To your point, though, we think that this will probably work itself out. Hopefully, maybe by the end of the year this year. So if you were going to buy a car, a new or a used car, like put the duct tape on the bumper or whatever you've got to do to ride this one out, um, because you'll likely, if you can just hold off until maybe the first quarter of next year, yeah. might be in a much different situation. In the meantime. Here, stick to your budget. I mean, if you need a car and you're shopping, this kind of demand is driving prices up. The 2010 full roll, 20% down on that car. Make sure maintenance and payments are no more than 10% of your monthly budget and get a loan that's no more than four years. If you can stick to that, even in these crazy conditions, you're probably going to be okay. Yeah, and, and patience, uh, I think, is a virtue on on, on this situation. I, again, we, you know, inflation, yeah, it's starting to get serious, but I, I think you're going to see by the first quarter of next year, um, things will get back to normal. Again, you look at inflation. Is this long term? Is it transitory? I think things like the car market, the car market, new cars and used cars, are showing us that you know hopefully this all plays out by the Q1 of next year, and things might get back to normal a little bit. Here's a simply money point: car prices are rising, and they are rising fast. You have to be patient and try to stick to your budget. All right, has the bug hit you yet? Are you ready to get back out there and travel? If you are, you're not alone. Joining us tonight, Deborah Clark, travel advisor at Wayfair Travel. Uh, Deborah and I go way back. She's been doing interviews with me for a long time about travel. None, though, like this, Deborah, because we've never been coming out of a global pandemic and seeing what people's travel habits are becoming. But what are you seeing now? Well, I'm seeing a lot of pent up. Uh, frustration. Everybody wants to travel. Um, I just wish that things would open up a little bit more freely to everyone, but it it is coming. It is going slow. Um, U.S. is extremely popular. National parks are just crazy, uh, almost impossible to get in at this point. Hawaii has become one of the hottest destinations 
between now and through Christmas that I have ever seen. Um, you know, river cruises in the U.S., which used to be uh, – they're expensive and people mm-hmm. kind of shied away from them are now becoming extremely popular and very difficult to get on. So things what, have do changed. You think, do you think that's, Deborah, because people just have that pent-up demand? They didn't spend on vacations last year? They're willing to spend more and stay closer yeah, to home? They're, they're, they're willing to spend more and they don't, you know, because they can't get out of the country right now, yes. They're willing to spend more. And I will be honest, people are willing to spend more for a larger cabin because after the pandemic, they're scared they'll get caught in on board of a boat. So they'll, mm-hmm. they're willing to spend more for a larger cabin. So those large cabins sell out immediately. You bring up an interesting point, though, because when this pandemic first started, one of the places, the crazy stories that were, was from cruise ships, people being stuck on there on a cruise ship for days, um, exposed to COVID, having to stay in the water for a long time before they could come in. So are people after this pandemic ready to get back on cruise ships? I haven't had anybody that's ready to get back on it this year other than some riverboats. Okay. But starting in January of next year and through, I have many, many people who are ready and willing to travel. I know there are people ready and willing to travel now. They're just not my clients. Okay. And what do you tell your clients? I mean, I think things will likely be different on cruise ships and and with a lot of travel moving forward. So what are the warnings that you give to people who are getting back out there for the first time in a year, year and a half as to how things have changed? Well, first of all, I I recommend that anybody who wants to travel becomes vaccinated. I think that's going to be a very important and in some cases a requirement. So I I recommend that, for one thing. I think buffets will become a self-serve buffet, will become more of a thing of the past. Mm -hmm. uh, There's a lot of things that are going to change. There's going to be uh, a lot more safety and cleaning done in hotels and restaurants and things that were probably kind of been a little bit more haphazard in the past that I think will definitely become better. So where this pandemic has done, has not been great for everybody in some instances, I believe that it has will improve some parts of travel. Deborah, you've been doing this for years. And so I know you know the prices for travel inside and out. What are some of the costs that are rising this year when it comes to travel that are maybe even surprising to you? Well, travel out west, uh, airfare, I find a little higher than I would have typically, although it's never really cheap. Yeah. But I find it pretty it, it, it increasing uh, out that way. Uh, if you want to go to Florida, I don't think the prices that air are that way are, are increasing. Some of the hotels, it depends on supply and demand. I have been looking for hotels in North Carolina in the mountains nice properties that mm-hmm. are just exorbitant and you cannot get into them. Wow. So it just depends on where you want to travel, um, what what the pricing is. Now, there are some things that people are trying to get people to travel to that will be less expensive. But where people all want to go, it's very expensive. 
You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC as we talk about getting back out there and traveling, what it looks like you might expect to pay more. Joining us tonight, Deborah Clark, travel advisor with Wayfair Travel. Deborah, what are some of the places? Say you've got a family, you know, two, three kids, you're looking to get back out there and get and have a nice vacation, but also can't break the bank. What's your advice to that family? I would say drive towards mm-hmm. South Carolina, North Carolina, um, Florida, Alabama. Those yeah. are places that are going to be affordable. Michigan is very, very popular uh, right now. And is it difficult you, to find like Airbnbs and places like that in some of those destinations, or can they find them? I think you could find them. I will be perfectly honest. I don't deal with Airbnbs because I can't vet them. So I only deal with properties that I can vet and and tell you that I believe it will be a good property for you to go to. But I believe you can find Airbnbs in those places. Do you have people that are coming to you saying, okay, I usually vacation regularly. We didn't last year. I have some extra money. I'm looking to splurge. Are there people out there like that? There are people who are definitely willing to splurge. There are people who are booking three trips at a time. Wow. So they're where they would usually call me for one trip. Now they're booking three trips into 2023. What do you say to people who are willing to splurge? I mean, it used to be, okay, Europe was probably a great destination if you're looking to splurge. However, right. Europe may not be the easiest choice right now, right? Right. If, if you have a family that wants to splurge, the Galapagos Islands is open and it is a fabulous family vacation. But it would also be a splurge. Yeah. So you could do the Galapagos by land or by cruise. So that would definitely be a a splurge for uh, Iceland would be is open. It would Mm -hmm. be a great family vacation. Very adventuresome. Uh, Alaska, a land tour in Alaska would be a, a great option because it's open too. And Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. But availability again. Well, those all sound like really great, fun, and different destinations. Maybe something, you know, maybe not the norm that people would have pre-pandemic really looked into. And I like that there's different options out there. One of the things that I think we all noticed during the pandemic, if we had flights booked or things like that, were that there was a lot of flexibility with airlines and cancellation fees. Does that flexibility still exist or is it going away? There, there's still flexibility with most of the airlines. I have to things are fluid. I have to check daily on okay. on the cancellation fees on things. I personally will not book a hotel for someone who that cannot get out of it at least seven days prior. Um, airfare is typically can be changed, and at this point, still no change fees. But I, I truly anticipate the airlines to bring those back on eventually. But Hopefully they won't, uh, but you know the money is there, the vouchers for you to use for a certain period of time, and they have extended that period of time. So that is that is really nice. Um, the the people are working with you, tour operators are working with you, the cruise lines are working with you. Um, they it, things have uh, they will those policies will begin to go away as things begin to open up. But right now, things are still pretty good as far as being able to change. They kind of call it cruise with confidence or travel with confidence. Mm -hmm. 
So great advice tonight from Deborah Clark, um, travel advisor, Wayfair Travel. There is still some flexibility out there um, if you if you need to change plans the last minute. Um, and also, man, if you're looking to travel, you're not alone. She's booking two, three trips for one family at the same time. You've been listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC, the talk station. You've been listening to the best of Simply Money. Now, if you could do us a favor, send the show to a friend if you think they may benefit from it as well. At All Worth Financial, we help you retire better.